Welcome to Ben. Blockchain Education Network. The largest and longest running network of students, alumni, and professors excited about blockchain across the world. A podcast for students by students, sharing their vision that anyone, regardless of wherever they are in the world, will be able to use blockchain as a vehicle to create wealth for themselves and their communities. This is Ben. The Blockchain Education Network. Welcome to the Ben Podcast. My name is Sohail, and I'm here with... I'm here. Uh, I'm Raymond. I'm Raymond Zhu. And we're here with our guests. I'm Tor Bear. I'm the founder of Secret Foundation, which works on Secret Network. Awesome. I'm glad to have you. I think we want to start off with just an intro about yourself, where your journey started, and where you are right now. So my journey with blockchain really started in around 2013 when I was still a derivatives trader. And derivatives trader are a very particular kind of people. They like when things are chaotic. They like when things go crazy. And at the time, there was nothing crazier than Bitcoin. It was going up. It was going down. So I said, okay, what is this thing? It seems volatile. It seems chaotic. It seems I didn't get the technology for probably the first couple years I interacted with it. In fact, for the first couple years, I pretty much knew it as something that only went down. But then I got to grad school. And at grad school at MIT, I connected with researchers at the Media Lab, people who really understood the blockchain technology. I was thinking at the time about what the implications could be for things like digital rights management, like not just for moving money around the world. And that journey really took me here with Secret. So since 2017, I've been working full time on our ecosystem, trying to build privacy solutions for the blockchain space so that we can build some of these cool next generation types of technologies with blockchain and solve all of these new kinds of use cases with blockchain combined with privacy. And I'm happy to now be building, you know, of course, alongside a community of tens of thousands of people who feel the same way about the importance of privacy in the space. What exactly are you rendering private and how is this like? different to like what does this add to blockchain i guess so blockchains are all up to this point public by default and what that means is that all the data that you put on chain when you interact with a smart contract is seeable by everybody you don't get a choice as to who it's shared with it's by default shared with every single person in the world not just whoever's on the other side of your transaction not just who you're buying your nft from everything is public to everyone it's a security risk, it's a usability risk, and it really means that we can only build about 1% of what's possible with decentralized technologies. But if you're able to add privacy, add that level of control for the user to be able to say, this data is private only to me or only to the people that I care about sharing with it, you know, they can see this data, but nobody else can. Adding that level of control means expanding the design space for what's possible 100x. And it's the key between how do we get billions of dollars into the ecosystems that we're building for Web3 and making that trillions of dollars and still knowing that that money and these use cases are going to be secure. That's really interesting. And um, just adding that privacy aspect, I think is really important. And I imagine there's actually a lot of different use cases. But just off the top of your head, I would love to hear like a few ideas you think would really be impacted by this privacy or yeah. One of the biggest hot topics of 2021 has been the emergence of NFTs. And for a lot of people, NFTs are still very confusing because if you look at them, they don't really make a lot of sense. Who decided that just an image is going to be worth 
you know, up to millions of dollars. And I actually count myself as one of those skeptics. I'm not really sure why everybody decided that this was incredibly valuable. But what's clear is that there's incredible demand for digital ownership and digital identity. And NFTs are a way that blockchains are being used to establish digital ownership and identity and building communities in this space. The challenge has been there's absolutely no privacy. So one thing that we're doing with Secret Network is we're adding privacy functionality to the NFTs. Meaning now if you own an NFT, you're not forced to reveal that ownership to everyone. You can choose who to share it with. The metadata that's inside the NFT that says what it is and what it represents, some of that is public, but some of that is private. So you can own something and prove that you own it, but you don't have to show off everything that's inside it. This is the way that ownership works in the real world already. Not everybody knows the contents of your house, the contents of your wallet, your entire credit history. These are just things you're able to select who you share it with and why. So in the Web3 world, if we're not building things exactly the same way, it's not going to scale to the same way that we've had things scale with the existing traditional financial and cultural worlds. We need this privacy technology to make things work like they do in the real world. Otherwise, it all kind of just stays a toy. That's very interesting. And so my background is a lot in healthcare and research and just thinking about like privacy issues. And I've heard that blockchain can be used like for store medical records. This seems like it could be a very, very key use case. What I just would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's a great question. There's really two things that I get asked about that I always say, don't put it on a blockchain. It's always medical records and voting. And the reason is because blockchains are public by default. So Secret Network is a special kind of blockchain. It's the first to actually have privacy by default for data and for smart contracts. So for the use case that you're describing, you can do that with Secret Network. You can use like NFTs to represent digital health records where the private metadata representing your record is only viewable by you and if you choose to share it with your physician. But if you tried to do that as an NFT, let's say, on a regular public by default blockchain, Now everybody sees your health records, which not only is a security risk, it's completely illegal. You can't do that. Voting is the same way. Please don't use a blockchain for like voting in an election. There's a reason that our votes in the real world are private. You want to be able to prove that you voted, but you're not being forced to reveal what you voted for. That's a violation of your human right in a a democracy. So what we're trying to do is exactly that. You look at these real world use cases, you understand without privacy, you're really not going to do this on a blockchain. But with the decentralization of blockchain and that direct user ownership of these protocols, combine that with these privacy protections, now you potentially have a platform that at global scale could be the greatest freedom-enhancing technology that we've invented in the last 20 years. Sweet. I kind of want to backtrack it back to your point about like how we need to have privacy to to scale up institutions. Why exactly do you think like on a sociological level we need privacy to uh, create like scaled institutions? There are all kinds of commercial and personal relationships that would not exist if there wasn't the right to privacy. So there's things you would only do with your own family inside the privacy of your own home. There's business relationships you would only enter into if you knew the terms were protected, but you still want to have confidence that the person that you're interacting with is legitimate, authenticated, etc. So the challenge is always, how do you have both these, this auditability, this trail of history, but also privacy? So the answer is by combining that auditability of blockchain, but with privacy protections, you can form a financial relationship with someone with a blockchain to say, here, I will prove my credit worthiness, my financial history, but only to you and only in the way that I consent to. 
if you did that without privacy, everything's on the blockchain. Everybody knows absolutely everything about your transactional history. That would not fly in the real world and no institution would accept it. But institutions very often reveal select things to themselves, to the counterparty in their transaction because you're trying to form a commercial relationship. You're trying to build trust. Realistically, blockchain is not going to be used to eliminate trust all over the world. There will always be trust between parties to some extent in any commercial relationship or any personal relationship. But we're trying to reduce the amount of trust that we would need to place in middlemen to arbitrate those relationships, either commercial or personal, like the relationship between an artist creating an NFT and their collectors. As much as we can make this disintermediated, disintermediated and trustless and we achieve that through the auditability added to the privacy, that's the direction that we have to evolve into. And it's going to create better, more user-focused institutions. It's not going to eliminate institutions forever, but it's going to make the institutions forced to work for the people because the people will have control ultimately of the protocols and of the data that's being utilized in those systems. Okay, interesting. I think you sort of mentioned this, but I just want if you could go a little deeper. When you have like a centralized system, and whether that's there's like some sense of privacy there. What's the difference between that and a blockchain with secret on it? Like, I I think for like a normal person, or they want to understand this because banks, they generally are very encrypted, or even health records right now, only you and your physician are can access those. Um, What's the difference between that and having a blockchain that's secure with like secret? What blockchains are supposed to add to the process is exactly this disintermediation, right? If there's somebody who's currently managing that relationship between the user and the healthcare provider or any of these other like one-to-one relationships, so you have to introduce new parties. Like uh, an example that I would use is like credit scoring agencies. I don't think these things should exist because they're just huge security hazards. And we've already seen them leak social security numbers all over the web. Why is it okay to create these massive honeypots of information? The idea is that blockchain can be used for disintermediation to make it so that all of these things are protected in a decentralized system where instead of trusting some third party to manage all of that data and then watch them get hacked or watch, you know, Facebook make backroom deals to sell your information, you know, there's supposed to be some sort of better way. Not every use case is going to benefit immediately from being decentralized, especially when the data that's being used is so, so hypersensitive. And it's going to take some time for these systems to emerge. But that's the inevitable direction of where the world is headed and sort of standing in the way of that disintermediation. I think disintermediation is a better word for where we're headed with the blockchain revolution than just saying decentralization, which could mean all sorts of things. Secret is trying to disintermediate the world because we think it's to the benefit of the end user. But we're not trying to like break everything into chaos and try to watch something build its way out of that anarchy. No, we do want to work with institutions that are already solving these problems, but show them how they can reduce their liability in this process while serving their end users better and create a real business model behind serving, you know, people in the healthcare system or otherwise. They can serve them better and without making them the product ultimately or putting their data at risk. I think my original question was like, are you so I think blockchains are like by nature like decentralized. Of course, you use like the different term of disintermediation. But are are you like how are you going to ensure or like make sure that with your company, blockchains will remain like decentralized? Because I feel like if there's a bit of privacy, there's a chance of having more like centralization and or like censorship. I would. I would really argue the opposite ultimately, which is that if everything is public by default, 
that there's a much greater risk of, of centralization. And the reason that I give for this is that data is really cheap to produce now. Really, really cheap. We do it passively all the time. We don't even know that we're doing it. But the value of collecting and monetizing that data is huge. There's this gap between the value that is being created and the value that is actually going back to the users as a result. Because in Web 2, it's centralized platforms who do capture all that value. In the Web 3 worlds, if we're using only public by default blockchains the way things are already going in you know the Ethereum world and elsewhere, all that data is still free to produce and free to access and free to aggregate. And ultimately, that's going to centralize around the companies or institutions who are able to best use all of this data that's now public and fully out of the control of users. Once your data is public and it's out of your hands, it is no longer really your data. This is somebody else's to do what they want with. And that actually is what causes recentralization because just like any other industry, these efficiencies emerge about who's going to build the best processes for turning your data into a product that they can sell for a profit. And those companies will compete. If the data can be private in the Web3 world, if users retain that control, it doesn't immediately centralize around the company that can best scrape and aggregate and monetize all that data. It aggregates around the users. It's where the users choose to be. It's where the users are capturing the most value. It's where they're playing to earn. It's where they're farming. It's wherever they're getting the value from the tech. Companies will be forced to come there, and it will be a user-centric economy. And fundamentally, user-centric economies are going to centralize much slower than the alternative of a public by default system that's always going to come back to who's going to milk this the hardest, the fastest, and for the most money. Awesome. Just to finish off, I want to ask if you have any um, insights on where do you think the next year, three, five years um, is going to go, not just in terms of privacy and blockchain, but just blockchain, DeFi, or Web3 in general. I think that of course, we're not going to focus just on privacy because we did for a while. It's going to be a major theme regardless. I think what you're going to see is more and more choice for users ultimately. And if I'm wrong about privacy, then the users are going to show that I'm wrong because they're going to choose to use something else. But we need to provide them a viable alternative. If we don't show up and say there's another way to go, there's a private by default way and show them why that's going to create more value to them and keep them more secure if they only have one choice then we've kind of already made our bed. The next one to three to five years without privacy looks like we get central bank digital currencies launching. They're all going to be surveillance coins. All the wallets are going to be KYC'd. It's going to be used for additional surveillance. Banks are going to win that game. Facebook is going to be meta. They're going to own the metaverse. And artists who want to be part of the metaverse and make that money are going to have to be part of Facebook's walled garden. And we're all going to, have to be forced by law to own an Oculus. Like this, this is like, I, I'm exaggerating slightly, maybe only slightly because Facebook is already responsible for much of the, re of the legislation that's going through Congress. But the one, three, five year projection looks very, very different depending on whether we prioritize pillars like privacy and decentralization and disintermediation in the next one year. It sets us down a completely different evolutionary path. And I'm really hoping for that one because then that 135 looks like a lot of user-centric platforms, user-owned platforms, trillions in value, but with the majority of the new value created flowing to the individual creators, users, collectors, DeFi people, wh whatever it is, like we create an open, flourishing economy that's direct to the user, owned by the user, 
and we empower them directly rather than allowing things to continue down the path they already are and letting the existing winners continue to win. That would not be a very interesting version of the future. I think it would actually be a very terrifying version of the past. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the Ben podcast. Lots of great insights um, and information. Thank you so much. This was another episode of Ben. Blockchain Education Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also, keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at BlockchainEDU. And visit our YouTube channel for more valuable blockchain content.